This is Blank on Blank, distributed by the Public Radio Exchange, PRX.org. I'm David Gerlach. In this episode, we're going to hear how you can turn yourself into an alien rock star and then walk away from the spectacle and the fame that you've created. Here is David Bowie. If it's uh, wearing a pink hat and a red nose and, and it plays a guitar upside down, I'll go and look at it. You know, <laughs> I love to see people being dangerous. David Bowie, in 1988, interviewed by Joe Smith. Joe's book on music legends is called On the Record, and his interviews now live at the Library of Congress. There was a real feeling of inadequacy in that area. I never really felt like a rock singer or rock star or whatever. And I always felt a little bit out of my element, which is uh, uh, a ridiculously highfalutin way of looking at it now from my standpoint when I look back and realize that from 72 through till about 76, I was the ultimate rock star. I couldn't have been more rock star. Records and the, uh, but the lifestyle and everything. everything. I mean, it's sort of you know anything that was going out there that had anything to do with it being a rock and roll singer. Then I was, I'd say, hey, let's go for this. See what it's like. I read a quote, somebody called you a surreal cartoon character brought to life. It was sort of, yeah. Ziggy was. I mean, he was half out of sci-fi rock and half out of the Japanese theater. The clothes were, that time, simply outrageous and, and simply nobody had seen anything like them before. Was there a point where people didn't take your music seriously because you were... I think I moved out of Ziggy fast enough so as not to be caught by that one because most rock characters that one can create only have a short lifespan. They are one-shots, they are cartoony. And the Ziggy thing was worth about one or two albums before I couldn't really write anything else around him or the world that I sort of wanted to put together for him. I'm a moderately good singer. I'm not a great singer, but I can interpret a song, which I don't think is quite the same as singing it. So I was never unaware of my strength as uh, an interpretive performer. But writing a song for me always, it, it never rang true. I had no problem writing something for Iggy Pop for, uh, or working with Lou Reed or writing for Mott the Hoople. I can get into their mood and what they want to do. But I find it extremely hard to write for me. So I found it quite easy to write for the artists that I would create. Because I did find it much easier, having created the Ziggy, to then write for him. <laughs> even though it's, even though it's me doing it, it's, it, it I was able to sort of pl- uh, distance myself from the whole. Yeah, well, it can become very complicated. There is a psychological. Yes, it, for it, that. It, it, it's, yeah, fucking with the fabric yeah. of time. There, um, it did bring its a whole sackful of its own inherent problems, but it. <laughs> yeah. You have an affection for some of these characters that you've created as you um i think the only time i get yeah. sort of you know kind of nostalgic about any of that stuff at all is if i see the odd video or something or yeah. or i i see a bit of the ziggy stardust concerts or whatever no other than that I'm, i don't think i'm cold about them but i think it's yeah. work done i think that's an actor's uh, attitude too i think you have to otherwise you start partners, yeah so yeah you get into a danger of of, of getting into the rut and and maybe try to perpetuate something that's gone before a lot of people that i know are bugged with the idea that the they've got to have an audience they've got to 
be liked. And uh, I think the more that you get fall into that trap, it makes your own life harder to come to terms with because an audience appreciation is only going to be periodic at the best of times. You'll fall in and out of favour continually. I don't think it should be something one should be looking for. I think you should turn around at the end of the day and say, I really like that piece of work. Or that piece of work sucked. Not, was that popular or wasn't it popular? Mr. David Bowie. Watch the animated version of this episode on our website, blankonblank.org. It's our series with PBS Digital Studios. Special thanks to Joe Smith and the Library of Congress for allowing us to bring you this interview. Before we go, here's some more vintage Bowie. Is it hard being David Bowie? Not, no? not really, not now. No, I, no, it's. Uh, I don't have the outsider's problem. I mean, for me, the world that I inhabit in reality is is a probably a very different, very different world from the one that people would expect that I would be in. It's quite sedate. It's uh, far removed from a lot of what they would feel would be the limousine trappings of a rock existence or whatever. I went to one of the first art-oriented high schools in England and I had a very excellent teacher, Peter Frampton's father, who really kind of was quite an inspiration. I went into the visual side of an advertising agency and I was doing paste-up jobs and, and small designs for raincoats and things like that. <laughs> awful. Maybe, Absolutely well, awful. Maybe you should have kept it to all this. Well, if all this goes down the tubes, <laughs> you can always go and get on Madison Ave there with the best of them. I think those days are over. Uh, um, but it did give me an unbridled interest in art. It goes through your entire life. David Bowie, The Ad Man. This episode was produced by me, Caitlin Prest, and Amy Drozdowska. We tweet at blank on blank. We're also on Facebook and Tumblr, where you'll find lots of nuggets from the archives posted daily. And if you have a remarkable interview sitting on a tape or a hard drive, let us know. Email interviews at blankonblank.org. All right, that's all for now. I'm David Gerlach. Keep listening.